following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. So I've been, as you know, I've been doing this series that I've called Just Like Us, and um, it's culminating in this weekend as we've been looking at various Bible characters to see how they are actually just like us so that we could be just like them. And so this morning, God willing, I'll be sharing with you uh, part one of uh, Just Like Us looking at Jesus. And uh, this morning, we're going to see how he is just like us. And then, God willing, on Sunday, spend some time examining how we can be just like him. It's really only Jesus that enables us to be just like him or just like the other characters that we looked at. Uh, when we study people like Jacob or, or David, Elijah or Peter, my hope was that we would see that they have the same struggles and, and various personalities and, and, and various things that make them just human. They're not superheroes. They're simply human beings that knew God and God worked in and through their lives. And it comes down to if they could do it, we could do it. But there's, of course, many differences between the character of Jesus compared to these, the other people in the Bible that we shared about over these past few weeks. And the big difference is that Jesus actually is the one who makes and make us just like him. When we look at the other characters, we could be encouraged. We could um, we could know that, oh, they're like us. I'm not so bad after all. They have quirks. We have quirks. But Jesus is actually, through what he has done, has created a dynamic that we could be godly people. He was the light of the world. We can be the light of the world because of him. And so let's look this morning at how Jesus is just like us. Now, I imagine if we did a theology test, uh, we would probably answer correctly that we're supposed to understand theologically that Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. Never mind that you can't be 100% of two things, but it's a theological point. He's truly God become a man and that uh, he retains his godness in a certain extent. We're going to look at that a little more closely in a few minutes. But he truly became a man. And yet, it seems to me that most believers really have a hard time accepting his humanity. It's one of the most difficult aspects of Jesus for us to grasp. It's easy to go, yeah, yeah, he was a man, but was he really? Was he really a man, a human being, just like the rest of us human beings? A very early heresy, it officially became known as docetism, Docetism is derived from the word to mean apparition or phantom. And it's the belief 
the wrong belief that he only seemed human. That was a real thing. People really believed this, that he really only seemed human. And while this heresy had not become official until a a couple hundred years after he came, there's likelihood that it was already popular in John's day. We We were reading two chapters from John's Gospel. In his first letter, he wrote three, in his first letter he talks about how we have seen him with our eyes and we have touched him. It's it's possible that people were beginning to think that while he looked like a man, it's obvious now that that kind of fooled us. He was pretending to be a man, looking like a man. He wasn't really a human being. He was actually God in this sort of pseudo-fake kind of phantomish form of, of human But, so it's difficult for us to really comprehend how such a human being could exist because he was God in the flesh. Wouldn't his godness overwhelm his human nature? And then how do we relate to him once we realize who he really is through and through? Something that the disciples took a long time to discover. Last year we we. Um, went through the Gospel of Mark, and you could see them struggling with, for them, of course he was just a man, just a man. Good teacher, oh, he does miracles, that's pretty amazing. He might be like a prophet of old. Finally, after all these hundreds of years, we finally have a a prophet sent from God. Um, Maybe he's even the Messiah, but he's doing certain things like calming the sea and raising the dead. Maybe he's more than just a man. Well, then eventually, people start thinking, Not only is he more than just a man, he's not really a man after all. But understanding the truth of his humanity is so important for us. It's important in our understanding of what he accomplished on our behalf. And it's the key for us to properly relate to him. In our minds, the truth of his divinity obscures the truth of his humanity because we so focus on his divinity, his godness, he becomes a superhero in our eyes. That's something that I've been, the whole superhero motif, as we call it, the superhero theme, is, is, is something that I addressed right at the beginning of this series. It's a very loved type of theme in our society. People love superhero stories. And we tend to turn heroes, even Um, non-fictional heroes into people who are not just like us. They're a a very different breed of human being, not like us. And we've done that with Jesus. We've turned him into a superhero. We've detached him from real life, as if he didn't live life really like the rest of us. And so it becomes easier for us to admire him, which we should, to adore him, which we should, to worship him, which we should, to, to hold him in the highest esteem, incomparable, compared to anybody else. He's not like anybody else in one sense. But it's only when we actually connect with the fact that he truly was and is a human being, is a human being, 
Who is at the right hand of the Father now? Is it a spiritual entity that used to be the human being, Jesus of Nazareth? Or did Jesus of Nazareth actually rise from the dead as a human being? He's a human being who died, he's a human being who rose, and a human being who ascended to the, into the heavens and is seated at the right hand of God. Some people, there's a, a, a theological doctrine about the pre-incarnate Son of God. So some people believe, and it might be true, that there were uh, manifestations of God in the Old Testament before Jesus came 2,000 years ago. There are manifestations of God, like when Jacob wrestled with the angel. People talk about Melchizedek. I don't think I think Melchizedek was a real man. Uh, but then there was uh, the when the um, captain of the army of the host appeared to Joshua and appeared to be God manifested in human form. And so this happens a few times in the Old Testament. And so theologians have devised that when that happens, that's the Son of God manifesting as a human. It's possible. I don't know how we would know that for sure, but it's possible. But I heard somebody recently say that those manifestations were pre-incarnate manifestations of Jesus. But Jesus, the human being, did not exist until he was conceived in the Virgin Mary. That's Jesus. The Son of God was incarnate within the human being, Jesus of Nazareth. And he had a beginning, like all of us did, at conception. And he's risen from the dead and is seated at the Father's right hand. And if there's any of you I've already made feel uncomfortable, it's because we don't really believe that Jesus was a real hum- is a real human being. Hebrews 4, verse 15 reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every respect. And yet what happens to us in our theologically informed spiritual minds, we, we go in every respect, well, not really. But let's not contradict the scripture, shall we? The writer of Hebrews rightly says that our high priest, Jesus of Nazareth, the incarnate Son of God, he's, not, he's able to sympathize with us. Not simply because, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, some of us are, have natural sympathy. And we're, we'll hear somebody tell a story about a trouble, an ache, a pain, an illness that they have, and we can immediately really feel the pain on their behalf. That's, I believe that's more empathy than sympathy. But it's another thing when somebody's able to relate to your struggle, your suffering, because they went through something similar. Maybe not exact the exact same thing, but at least something similar. And this is telling us that Every category of weakness is something that Jesus experienced. We read in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11, and it's a section here, Paul's writing to the Philippians, and it seemed that they had a pride problem. They're not alone. There's something I think we can sympathize with. Many congregations, if not all congregations, have some level of pride problems. 
And so he writes this to them. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And before I go on to the next verse... You might say, well, oh, he took the form of the servant, being born in the likeness of men. Well, he also said he was in the form of God. So he's talking about how he really was. It wasn't as if he was kind of like a man, but not really like a man. So he was born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, really and truly, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul tells us here as the motive for us to be humble, the motive for us to be of one mind, the motive for us to not be pursuing our own selfish ambitions, but to to consider others as important as ourselves and so on, the reason for that is because God himself so humbled himself to become just like us, and look what he did. Just like us, look what he did. He became truly human, Paul's example would be meaningless if Jesus hadn't become truly human. He was a real baby. In all of his babiness and all the things that babies do, Jesus did. There's actually, you could look up online, the controversy over whether or not he actually cried. Because as you know, the famous Christmas carol says that when he was awakened by the animals, he didn't cry. And I, you know, there's this expression, we didn't, Robin and I didn't use it with all of our ten babies, but I know it's very common. Uh, when a baby is, is not too fussy and does not cry a lot, we call them a good baby. And I've never really, I know what it means, and I know how it feels. Um, but it's not that it's be a good, because the opposite of good, as you know, is bad. And so... Um, my, here's my baby. He's a bad baby because he cries a lot. That's not right. That's not right. Babies cry, some more than others, some louder than others. Our sixth born actually made my ears ring when she hit these decibels that none of the others did. But she was a great baby. And Jesus was a great baby. So Jesus didn't cry We know if babies don't cry, there's actually something wrong with them. And why do babies cry? Is there something because of the baby or it's because of the parents? Parents need their baby to cry. So parents do what parents should do for their baby. And that's the world that Jesus was born into. He was born into a real world where he had to deal with everybody else. He had to learn to walk 
just like us. Like, do you picture that when Jesus learned to walk, it's like, time to walk now, bang, on two feet, like, like when a horse is born, like, onto, the, onto the legs automatically? Or did he stumble too? Maybe he preferred to walk after he tried, uh, crawl after he tried to walk for a, a little bit like some babies do. Does it, would it offend you to know that he lost his baby teeth just like the rest of us? I could have picked other kind of bodily functions to focus on, which that might be a little more offensive, but baby teeth, he lost his baby teeth just like the rest of us. He got hungry. We know that he got hungry. He wasn't faking. When he said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and he said he was thirsty, he wasn't faking. He was thirsty. And he got tired. He got so tired that he was able to sleep in the middle of a storm. Now, I I know that um, he had a sense of faith and security in his father that isn't just like us. That I, I understand. But he did pray all night the night before, and that likely had uh, uh, contributed to the nice snooze that he had in the boat while the rest of his disciples were freaking out in the storm thinking they were going to die. Do you think he sneezed? Now, maybe he never contracted a virus. Maybe his immune system was such, I don't know, I really don't know. We don't have any record of him ever being sick. But it does talk about him taking upon himself our illnesses, whatever that means. But if he, did he ever get dust in his nose or a spice that was a little too strong that caused him to sneeze, causing the normal human thing we do to get those particles out of our nostrils? I know we don't have an example of it. But if we do not believe that he sneezed and did other such things, we're making him to less of a human being. Now, why is this important? Well, he had to become just like us to rescue us. If he didn't become just like us, we would still be in our sins. And one of the reasons for that is that God's plan depends on human beings. And this is another thing that we often tend to talk about God and trying to honor him in a It's not in a bigger way, but it's in a different way than we really should. When God created the earth and put human beings on it to take care of it, he was committed to a particular mission, a plan, that had human beings in the center of it. Now, God was to be in the center of our lives, which is why everything went wrong when Adam and Eve turned to the word of the serpent instead of the word of God. But God wanted to reign on earth through human beings. And so to rescue us from our sin, it had to be a human being that would do it in order to redeem those human beings to be the kind of human beings that God has intended us to be. And yet, you know, we think about this and we go, and maybe I could convince you, yes, Jesus was fully human like the rest of us. I never thought of him losing his baby teeth, but that maybe that maybe helps a little bit. Um, and yet, it's still so hard for us to think of him as just like us. 
I mentioned the Mark series that I did last year. I was, I don't know about you, I was really blessed by that. It was a wonderful journey for me in getting to know the Lord and his word better. Um, I spent a, a long time in those passages. And early on, I mentioned this to you during the, the series, I learned early on that there was this theory, and it, it, it seems it's reasonable, that this gospel, which was likely Peter's gospel that Mark wrote down, was designed to be spoken orally. That Peter likely, this was the story that he told, and Mark eventually wrote that down. And it became intriguing to me to, to see it through that lens of it was given orally. Because as I went through it, I started to see this kind of shout out through the gospel. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? And so I looked online to see if anyone had ever done some sort of oration, a, a, a dramatic telling of the whole Gospel of Mark. And I was delighted to find that the Christian actor Max McLean had done one. And I showed you at least one of uh, one part of that from Mark chapter 1. And at the time, I thought it would be maybe helpful for us to watch him do the whole Gospel of Mark as we went through the series but I didn't, and I didn't because I was actually disappointed. He's an amazing actor. He's got such an amazing voice. You can access audio Bibles that were read by him. He, uh, and he, he has a wonderful one-man show of C.S. Lewis that I highly recommend. It's so, so good. But there was something that he kept on doing in his recitation of the Gospel of Mark. And it was done, he, was, he, he did it with on stage, and, and there was lights and sound and all the rest of it. Um, and he would act out the various characters. His, he, he, his disciples, the emotions of the disciples, their surprise, their angst, uh, the, the religious leaders and their anger and, and all that. And, and so he would describe, there's the, and then Jesus walked here and his disciples said, what are you doing? And, and then he would say, and then Jesus said, and he would recite Jesus' lines like he was on some sort of drug. And it was like, what are you doing? Except I understand this is what we do with Jesus. We can't handle making him just like us. We have a hard time relating to a God the Son Messiah who is truly human. And this is why I've been recommending this, the series, The Chosen, because I've never seen a film rendition of Jesus that adequately, not perfectly, reflects his humanity without diminishing his divinity. And can it be done? Well, they, they're doing it better. If you look at other, I looked at other Jesus films, and you get this sort of thing. Jesus comes on the scene, and all of a sudden, he's talking like this, and he's moving his arms like this, and he walks in a way that no human being walks, except in some churches. <laughs> and it's 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 this. All of a sudden, you've got to have the and the glowing light. And this sort of thing. And he, and he doesn't make noise when he walks. It does, it's why, I, I know why we do that. Because we're, under, we're trying to grapple with the fact that he's not a, a, 
exactly like a, a, the kind of human being we are. He is different because he is in very nature God. And yet that is eclipsing his humanity. And somehow the chosen does the best job I've ever seen. I've sent you some information about how to access it. If it's not clear, you want some more information. So they've done eight episodes of season one. They're planning six or seven seasons. And season two uh, premieres uh, Sunday evening. But you'd want to see season one first. And it's all accessible and available, as I said, if you want any information on that. Um, My family's a little funny. all, All of us are passionate. We're all kind of passionate people about what we're passionate for. And when we experience something that we love, we want everybody else to experience what we love. And you will have people over, and there's this movie we just saw, and we kind of tie them up to a chair and make them watch this movie and enjoy it, just like us. Robin's shaking her head, but I, I beg to differ. But anyway, it's metaphorical that we never really tied anybody to a chair. But I think you knew that. I hope you knew that. Um, after, anyway, so... Um, it took me a little while to catch on with how good The Chosen really was, but once I really got it, I got typical me, I got really, really all excited about it. And that turns off some of our kids. I, I don't blame them. They start to, well, you're just kind of, it's overblown. And, and then another one of our kids saw it and they loved it. Another one of kids saw it, they loved it. And uh, our second born um, hadn't seen it. And um, I got a message from her two nights ago, watched episode one, and I love it. And so then we had this long conversation and she caught all these various different things that they're doing, um, she pointed out that there's all these women in the show. She says, whenever you see a Jesus movie, there's so few women. And I, she, I, 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 I noticed it, but didn't notice it like she did. I started to realize, oh, well, that's because the way they tell the story, like the people who heard it in the, in the, in the, in the early days, they knew all these people had mothers and the married ones had wives. And yet somehow when we do the movies, they're not there. And so when you're going to do a dramatic thing, you, you need to fill in that context. And so they fill in the context of the, Ro- of the Roman occupation. They fill in the context of family. They fill in all these contexts that then make you feel like you're watching real people doing real things. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus did the real things that we couldn't do for ourselves so that we could do the real things that God wants us to do now. He so experienced us that when everything came down upon him on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, some theologians say that God God the Father actually left him. Others say, no, God was, of course, the Father was always there with him, but he was experiencing a sense of abandonment, the same sense of abandonment that we often feel. That's how much of our humanity he touched on our behalf. And he did it as an innocent, the only innocent victim who has ever lived. And by that, he conquered death on our behalf so that we could join him in his resurrection. But for us to fully enjoy the power of the resurrection, and I'm going to talk about more on Sunday, God willing, for us to fully grasp that his power in our lives, we need to grasp that he became just like us so that we, when we read the Gospels, we can truly relate to him and we can see a person that we're supposed to emulate, not just admire. And so we'll talk about that more on Sunday. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you 
that through your Son, you became just like us so that we could become just like him. He certainly has accomplished for us by his birth, by his life, by his teaching, by his suffering and death. He entered into our lives to a full extent so that he could rescue us from sin, from death, that we might truly enjoy resurrection life, not only in age to come, but even now to know your power. Lord, help us to more than simply appreciate what your Son has done for us. Help us to connect with it. Help us to see ourselves in him. That God and man come together in him so that we and you can come together because of him. Please, Lord. Lord, for our fellowship, would you break unhelpful religious trappings that enshrine your son yet detach him from us. Instead, Lord, just like the veil in the temple was torn in in two and a new access to you has been created because of what your son has done, may we enter into that access that we could know that we could live a life that's difficult like Jesus' life was. A life of misunderstanding. A life of reliance upon you day by day. A life of suffering. A life of rejection. And yet know your presence with us through it all. So that we might truly live in the way that you designed us human beings to live. Father, make us dissatisfied with the trinkets of this world and living at a substandard level. Lord, you're not calling any of us here to do exactly the thing that other people have done. You're calling each of us to do the precise things that you've called each of us to do. But thank you that your son has touched every aspect of each of our lives and that you've promised that you would never leave us or forsake us. Lord, if some of us are going through a dark time right now, if any of us here believe that you have abandoned us, would you please break through? Lord, during this difficult time and Yet again, a lockdown that we're facing. And and would you break through the fear? Would you free us to know how to live in these days? Help us to see life through your eyes. Not the eyes of the media. Not the, the eyes of our friends. Not even our own eyes. But help us to see what you're showing us and and hear what you're saying to us and may we live accordingly. 
And we thank you that because your son has conquered sin and has conquered death, we can truly live. May it be so in our lives. And may you use us in the days ahead to shine your light that others would be attracted to your goodness and to your love and that they too would be set free to be the people that you've called them to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.